Welcome to the Bragg Creek Community Church Podcast. We are committed to be and to make followers of Jesus Christ an authentic community for the sake of His world. We hope that you may be equipped and encouraged wherever this teaching meets you in your discipleship journey. Uh, we've, uh, as we've been talking about uh, lately, um, we've been talking about uh, how we could possibly have some form of not just surviving faith, but a thriving faith at this time. Um, just as was mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, um, this is a time in which, you know what, uh, many times the, the natural response is for us to kind of like just close in and just hunker down and, and just say, you know what, we just got to get through it to the next thing. Um, but over the, the next few weeks, we really want to be saying, hey, how do we go about like continuing on with this? Because we've got, you know, still a little ways to go through all of this. How do we continue on with this and also grow and thrive? So not just survive through it, but that our faith is actually uh, transforming us and shaping us, that we come out of this even stronger than when we went in. And so that's what we're, we're kind of uh, addressing over, uh, over the next little while. Um, for, for us, we've also been kind of uh, addressing the whole idea of uh, this apocalyptic nature of what this is. Even though it's nice and sunny right now, and it's kind of feeling quite normal, uh, we've been honestly talking about uh, the apocalypse uh, and kind of how this is, this, the stressors uh, begin to reveal things in our own life. Uh, I don't know about you, but I grew up uh, in an evangelical tradition that had a lot of uh, kind of ideas about the end of the world and the apocalypse that was coming and all of that. Uh, I think it was part of the tradition just back in the 80s. It might have been my church. I'm not entirely sure um, how, like, if it was specific for us. Uh, but there was a lot of things uh, back in the day that were kind of uh, fun and interesting um, that uh, when people would talk about, you know, the, the end, when everything gets completely uh, wrapped up. Uh, the first one, like, do you guys remember uh, 88 Reasons Why uh, Jesus is Coming Back in 1988? Do you remember that book? <laughs> it sold like 4 million copies, right? So it was 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. Um, and so basically, uh, that was uh, something that came out. He was going to come at this time. There was all of these charts and kind of understanding of why that was going to take place. And the... The question is, like, when we listen to the, or when we hear the Olivet Discourse, we hear that no one knows the day or the hour. We kind of take that for, for granted. They got around that by saying that, like, there's three dates during 1988 in which that could possibly take place. We don't know which one, but there's three of them, uh, which actually doesn't really make sense because you got to, like, work backwards, right? Like, if you're looking at the third date, uh, that can't be true, because if you go through the first two, then you know it's the third date. So then we know again, right? And it can't be the second, because if the third is off the table, then the second becomes the last. And as soon as we pass that first day, then we're, uh, we're gone there as well. And then it can't be the first, because then we would know the date, right? Like, so it just didn't work out logically at all. But that was one. Uh, we also had a whole bunch of like uh, scary videos. It was like there was uh, a thief in the night, uh, distant thunder uh, in the 90s. Do you guys remember Left Behind? That whole thing. So this idea about, uh, you know, the end and how this is going to take place. Y2K. Um, I was in the States during that time. 
There was a different atmosphere completely during that time. There was a lot of money being made on like survival kits uh, that people were ordering um, because people were worried about the end of the world, right? And then in 2011, uh, we had uh, uh, Harold Camping. Um, do you remember Harold Camping? Yes. Uh, he said that he's coming back on 2011. There was multiple dates again. As they like, kind of blew past those dates, he would kind of keep pushing it back. Um, and his followers like, sold all of their possessions and gave them away, gave away a ton of stuff. Uh, and then they went through 2011 and didn't really happen. And there was a lot of people that like, got seriously like, hurt through that whole thing. Now, I only want to make mention of this because I looked him up because I wanted to see like, what was going on, uh, if he was still predicting. He actually passed away in 2013. Um, but the reason I mention him is because I, I, I found some interesting things that he actually said at the end of his life. So... It's interesting, uh, he invited, asked everyone to sell their stuff and get prepared and everything. Um, he didn't necessarily sell all of his belongings, but everybody else did. Uh, but it says, uh, just one article, it says, after failing uh, the failure of Camping's prophecy, Family Radio, which is his uh, organization, uh, suffered significant loss of assets, staff, and revenue. Now, in one sense, we could say, hey, he didn't prophesy correctly, and everybody was like saying, no, uh, we're out of here. Uh, or we could also say, all of his followers sold all their stuff, so in order to support the ministry, you really don't have a lot of, lot of uh, revenue. However, there's something really interesting. In March 2012, it says this, uh, he stated that his attempt to predict a date was sinful, and that his critics had been right in emphasizing the words of Matthew 24, the Olivet Discourse, right? Um, he added that he was now searching the Bible even more fervently, not to find dates, but to be more faithful in his understanding. And see, one of the things that, that I want us to really kind of consider, especially during this time, when we are trying to figure out the apocalypse, like when things are going to take place, or how is it all going to get wrapped up, or what does this truly mean, we sometimes uh, don't let the apocalypse shape us or figure us out. And all of the time and energy that we may spend trying to know the future or the new, uh, future events is all the time and energy that is taken away from just being Jesus right now. Just living a faithful life in the moment at this exact place. And so even when it comes to like this stressor and, and how things have, have been challenging during this time, we need to say, hey, how do we walk through this not trying to figure it out and, and not trying to say, what is this, the, the big deeper meaning on all of this? It's like, let's take that time and say, what am I doing in the present here now during this situation, during the circumstance? And so that is, uh, is what we're kind of trying to stress, where we say, hey, we're not to, meant to figure out the apocalypse. The apocalypse is meant to figure us out. It's meant to reveal our hearts, reveal our faith, reveal who we are, and strengthen us through that. I was reading a, an article, Kerry uh, Newwolf. I can't get his last name ever. He's, got, uh, he's a Canadian from uh, the East. We forgive him for that. But uh, he's got a lot of good articles 
uh, around this time, um, just for pastors and leaders and that kind of stuff. And, and he had one uh, that said uh, five reasons why some churches won't recover through all of this. Um, because as this gets revealed and as the stressors take place, uh, if we're not willing to, to be stretched and transformed through this, uh, we might go to a place where we kind of hunker in and then just fade away. Or we can come out being stronger. But he has five reasons why some churches won't uh, recover. Uh, one of them is uh, poor communication. And that's just kind of understanding that for some churches, it's difficult, uh, including ourselves, um, to kind of grapple with cameras and trying to hold some form of, of service. It's difficult uh, to figure out, you know, social media and all that stuff. That's effective rather than just noise, right? Um, I know for myself, one of the things that I was really uh, worried about was as we even communicate as the church, we don't want it to be just all of the Michaels and Best Buy and, uh, you know, Amazon mail outs that I get every single day in my inbox. And it just because you're just bombarded with that stuff. We don't want to just be part of that. So figuring out communication is really a, a difficult thing. And if we don't, as a church, really figure that out during this space, we can end up uh, failing. Financial uh, issues, obviously, was the second one that, that, that he talked about. Obviously, hey, uh, in April, 2 million Canadians lost their jobs, right? That's, I mean, I think Calgary's over a million now, but it's kind of like two Calgary's, like jobs wiped out. And so absolutely, people are feeling financial stress. Uh, things are, are tight. And some churches may not be able to, to make it through this, this dip, right? He went on to say uh, volunteer erosion, which is kind of interesting. See, more, most times, Sunday mornings, when we're all together, there's actually a small group of us uh, kind of figuring stuff up, setting stuff up, set, tearing stuff down, getting coffee ready, running slides, uh, doing nursery, uh, Sunday school, all of those things. There's, there's multiple people doing multiple things. Since this took place, like it shrunk to a very small, small group. And for, for us, who are, are, are people who need to be involved in work, that ends up putting stressors on this. Um, another thing that, that he ended up uh, uh, talking about um, is entitlement mindset, Right? He's like, hey, if, if you're expecting everything to go back to normal, uh, if you think what you did in the past will work in the present and the future, you're expecting someone else to solve the problems, you expect the church uh, only happens inside your building, if those become the, the mindset that we just got to get back to exactly the way things were before, um, we're, we're out of that for a long time. We still are, even though this is beautiful and um, this is wonderful to actually see your guys' faces and be together. It is still a little awkward, right? And it's, I love it, but it's like, this is the closest we have to normal, and yet it's very different than what normal was, right? And so if we're just expecting that, hey, we'll have it back, and it'll be the exact same, and it's all good, you know what? Our expectations might be, might be off. The last one is, is also then insider focus. When we try to hold so tightly to what we did have or just this space, rather than saying, hey, how does the mission compel us during this time? Rather than how do I keep this method or this structure together? If our focus ends up trying to just 
make this work and hold on to the people that, that we have and get through it, then mission isn't driving us. It's not compelling us. And when mission doesn't drive us, if it's not the engine, then we're going to fail. That's not a good motivator, right? We need to not go to church, but be the church at this time. And the be the church mindset is the thing that will help us get through all of this. So how do we, how do we kind of stay away from some of those things? Uh, how do we end up being people that can, can kind of make it through uh, during these, these times and grow and end up coming out stronger than before? It's a couple of things uh, that I want to address uh, in this. Um, and it really all comes down to like stepping up our commitment, stepping up our, our actual uh, uh, move from just saying, hey, I'm going to show up and be a part to actually saying, I want to actually be involved and I want to begin to give myself in some of these things, which sounds counterproductive right now, doesn't it? It's like, how do we get involved when we're not really allowed to get involved? How do we end up being the church when it's hard to navigate these spaces, right? And so uh, we understand that it's difficult, but the call is to just be all the more committed, right? Um, we see it in our personal lives. Uh, when we're just showing up uh, in our relationships, things don't go well, right? You got to be committed. You need to be active. You need to be proactive. You need to be constantly investing in relationships for them to actually grow and be healthy, right? Husbands, when we phone it in as husbands, you know, uh, from time to time, where we kind of like walk past that like dirty cup three, four times, and just all it takes is just like just picking it up, right? Just walking over and putting it in the dishwasher. Like it just, that's all it takes. But there's many times that we phone it in and then we really experience the apocalypse, don't we? We know exactly what that, that's like. Relationships don't work unless you're truly committed to this. And so what are some of the attitudes that we could have in kind of stepping up our commitment in this? 2 Corinthians 8 says this. Best of all, they went beyond our highest hopes. For their first action was to dedicate themselves to the Lord and to us for whatever directions God might give them. Best of all, they went beyond our highest hopes. For their first action was to dedicate themselves to the Lord and to us for whatever direction God might give them. So one of the things I like about this is, is really kind of a picture of commitment. A commitment to God, dedicating themselves to God. Having that attitude to say, you know what? I'm all in, I'm yours, right? But also commitment to others in fellowship. Commitment to, to say, you know what? I'm for each other and I'm for my community. I want to actually be, go deeper in commitment, deeper in fellowship, even though we have to be whatever, two meters apart. So we're going to talk a little bit about that in the next coming weeks of, of what that means or how that might end up looking. In fact, being committed in relationship and fellowship is, is something that obviously the scripture speaks about all the time. Uh, over 50 times in, in the New Testament, you have the phrase one another, right? Or each other being used, right? So there's this 
connecting point, saying this is meant to be a communal thing. And so I want to challenge us to go deeper in our relationships. So how do we go about doing that? How do we commit ourselves to God and to others? 1 John, starting at verse 16, says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, to love one another as he commands us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. So I just want to highlight just a couple things when it comes to maybe having our attitudes or our posture uh, to, to be committed to God and committing to others during this time. The first one is having a commitment to selflessness, right? This is how we know that what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And so there's a, a posture of, of true selflessness, a posture to say, you know what? I'm going to give my life for the sake of others. I'm going to give it up in order uh, to give life toward others, right? I'm going to give it up uh, and allow God's grace uh, to, to be evident in that selflessness, in that humility, right? Philippians 2 says this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement of being united with Christ, if any comfort of his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking for your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. And so having a post posture of humility, of, of otherness, where we practice otherness with, with one another, Right? Uh, a complete commitment to selflessness. When it comes to then the church, how does this look, right? The, the posture of surrender, of, of kind of stepping to the side or, and letting someone go first, what does that look like? The first one is really we place uh, people over our preferences, right? We place people over our preferences. Where we say, you know what? My commitment to relationship is greater than my commitment to kind of my, my uh, preferences uh, what's comfortable for me, what I like, and what I don't like. The fact that we're here to come and, and sit on the lawn, that might be fairly easy, right? But tuning in to a Zoom meeting, tuning in to, to like online service, uh, reaching out and calling people on the phone, oh, like it's so, 
so terrible. But when we say, you know what, it's not about me, and I'm going to have a, a heart that surrenders, I'm going to have a, a heart that, that is willing to, to maybe be selfless in this, I'm going to do things that I don't want to do because I truly love people. And so I set aside my preferences over, over people. We see that when it comes to this kind of stuff. You know, people are like, well, I don't really like that music or I don't like the way that he speaks or I don't like, we have all of these nitpicky things and those could keep and do keep people from coming and being together. But honestly, when it comes to having a posture where we are selfless or, or humble or other-centered, we say, you know what, I'm going to show up even though it's not the funnest thing in the world, or it's clunky, or it's awkward, or it's not my cup of tea, I'm going to show up because I truly do care for the people, which is the church. And that honestly goes into to the second thing where it says, hey, uh, I engaged the community asking, what did I give rather than what did I get? Too often we go to church and we're like, ah, oh, it wasn't really a thing. I didn't really get much out of it. And that becomes kind of the, the thing that we ask. Rather than, no, when I'm in community, when I go to church, or when I, I begin to fellowship one another, I'm coming in asking, what am I going to give to this space? Rather than, what am I going to get from this space? So commit yourself to selflessness. Second thing, real quick, commit yourself to action. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. Right? So less on the talking, more on the actual, like, doing stuff. And I understand. It's, it's tough. It's, it's a, a difficult one. But definitely, we want to make sure that our money's where our mouth is in this, right? We want to make sure that we're not just jabbering on a bunch of stuff, but it actually isn't transforming or shaping our life, isn't actually being lived out. That's a great picture of, what's that word again? hypocrisy, right? Yeah? In which we've never heard the church or people critique the church saying it's full of what? Hypocrites. Hypocrites, full of people who completely act 100% what they always speak, right? I never get that, rarely, right? It's always full of hypocrites, absolutely. To which I always say, hey, well then, why don't you just join in? Like, like it's, you know, join the crowd on that for sure. We just need more hypocrites. Come on in. So uh, in this, I want to highlight give, go, and grow. Uh, give. Where am, I, where am I right now in, in this? Where am I giving right now? Uh, how am I serving? And this is where we got to be creative, you guys. It really does. How am I serving, right? What am I willing to do in order to encourage the rest of the church, right? Uh, maybe that's some grocery runs. Maybe that is helping people figure out technology or whatever. Maybe, uh, I don't know, like we got to be able to, maybe it's hosting a Zoom-like call. Ugh. Maybe it is like uh, putting out like care packages or touching or reaching someone who you haven't seen maybe show up online or haven't seen show up in these spaces or haven't seen on the Zoom call that we actually call and say, hey, checking in, how you doing? Haven't seen you around in our fellowship. Maybe it's creating some sort of online Bible study or something. Where are you serving, right? Uh, where's my support, right? What am I giving to? What, what uh, charities and groups, that, that, the food bank and all that stuff that we're going to probably need 
as, as the months go on, especially as like Serb and all that starts to like dry up, we're going to need like people to, to give to that stuff. And so, you know, where am I supporting? The, the second one we're going to look at in our third uh, and last point. But when we talk about going, right, uh, give, grow, go, uh, going, we ask the question, to whom am I sent right now? Uh, I want to continue to highlight, and I put it, included it on our mail out, uh, what it means to, to kind of some practical ideas on being that neighborhood shepherd, okay? Please open that up. Please go through it. Please check in with your, your neighbors. Guess what? Outreach isn't done. In fact, just as Peter was mentioning today, it's actually the best time possible and a great excuse, actually, to go and like connect with your neighbor or your coworker and say, hey, how's it going? How have you managed through all of this? But then also go a little bit deeper and say, hey, you know what? Are you, the stress doing okay? Your kids doing okay? Is there anything I could pray for? Like, just begin. It's not as awkward as it is before. We actually have an excuse, a good excuse to be in people's lives. Outreach isn't dead. And so I want you to grab that, that uh, uh, neighborhood kind of checklist and begin to then be that neighborhood sh- uh, shepherd. Could be on your block, totally cool. Could be at your workplace, but... To whom are you sent in all of this? So let's make sure that we, uh, we engage. So the last thing that we see from uh, 1 John is then a commitment to, to fellowship. It says this, and this is his command to believe in the, the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how he knows he lives in us. We know it by the spirit that he gave us, right? And so there's a, an emphasis on fellowship. He and me and I and him and the spirit in us. It's this ongoing kind of working out where we are joined together. And in that, we need to make sure that we take that seriously. Where we love one another, we want to be people who fellowship with each other. We abide in his Holy Spirit And that is the thing. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. His Spirit rests in us. We talked about that we are sacred space a few weeks ago. That, guess what? His Spirit is going through us. It's kind of like COVID that's getting passed around. It's like in me and in you. And it's like, it's a beautiful picture of a gracious, gracious ongoing indwelling that takes place, right? And so uh, we abide in, in the spirit in that. And with that, when it comes to fellowship, one of the best ways that fellowships work, work for us is, is we use our fellowship to grow, to grow. And this is where we want to encourage you guys. We want to encourage you, hey, when this can't take place as good or as well as it was before, we want to encourage you to begin to, to, to go the smaller route, Right? This is the perfect time, perfect time to give more time to your pod groups, the perfect time to join a pod group if you haven't joined a pod to reach out to that one and the two of you reach out to the third or the fourth. This is the perfect time to do that because this is a little bit stressed, but this is, is something that's actually achievable during this time. 
And so we want to definitely encourage, encourage that, that we come out stronger because we're growing in these places, right? Uh, we sent out the, the life inventory, and we're going to continue to build upon that. So last week, we had that garage sale life inventory where, hey, during this time, we end up having uh, things that have disappeared that maybe need to stay disappeared, right? Things that have been taken from us that we need to just discard. And so we want to list those down, right? And there's some things during this time that surprised us that we need to keep and build upon. And we want to list those down. And guess what? We want to share that with one another. And so that is my challenge for you. Write that down. Share it with at least one other person. Maybe share it with your pod group. And begin to build upon that so that we can find out what God wants to do with our life during this time and remove some of the garbage we don't need. Sell it off and, and build upon the things that, that we find actually joyful during this time. That was like, man, walk past that all the time and it is actually a meaningful thing to have supper together or whatever or to have a games night or whatever it ends up being. Things we, we can build upon. So it's my hope during this time to, to kind of uh, facilitate like decentralized gatherings, right? So more of the pod groups, the small groups, the, the patio time, the, the walks, those, those smaller uh, situa- uh, situations in the smaller groups. That's, I want to help facilitate that. And so if you, if you need help kind of getting to people or, or networking, let's, let's talk. Let's figure this, this out. I also want to make sure that during this time we begin, and this is challenging, uh, we begin to uh, equip our parents uh, to truly invest in their kids at home and such because Sunday school, those types of things just aren't, aren't working. And I want to be careful because we're already overloaded when it comes to trying to manage. We, we found out what online schooling was like, which is the no schooling schooling in my household, right? It's like really difficult. It is really, really tough. Hard to keep put people motivated. Hard to navigate some of those things. And I don't want to be someone who just like piles more things on. But I want to say, hey, what can we do to just begin to start having us as parents invest a little bit more in our kids during this time and build upon that. Let's take this opportunity to do that. We are having more family time. So let's, let's focus that a little bit more during this time. Uh, again, I want to call you guys to, to be uh, involved in local causes, right? Some of the community things that are taking place here, some of the fundraisers, some of the stuff, that is one thing we, we can do, Right? And we want to make sure that we uh, encourage you guys on how you can begin to integrate and live your faith out in your workplaces, in your Zoom meetings, all of those things uh, moving forward. And so let's move from just being attenders, right, where we show up and we just passively watch, to really taking this moment and say, how can we be committed to engagement? How can we step up our engagement during this time? So there's a couple questions for you there. Would I consider myself a member or, or a tender, right? a partner or a tender? Uh, what is my level of commitment to my church and to its people? How do I see others as the room for me to love? Uh, do my actions back up my words? 
What is the one thing I can do right now to up the stakes in regards to my commitment? What's one thing we can leave with that says, I can do this week and move me into being a little bit more uh, uh, participating, committed to what God has for me and wants for me during this time? At the very end, uh, there's an online, we've given you the, uh, the whole um, life garage sale uh, list, the discard, keep, find. I want to encourage you guys to do that, and I want to encourage you guys definitely to step into uh, to those smaller groups during this, during this time. Let's be the church, right? Let's be motivated by mission during this time so that we can truly come out of this space stronger healthier, uh, more committed, and motivated by what God is doing in and through our life, that we're growing in our faith, that we're thriving in our faith, that we're not just surviving in our faith. Let's, uh, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and grace. We thank you for this gorgeous day, uh, for being able to, to see each other face-to-face, uh, even if it's at a distance, Lord, that's totally fine. It is such a beautiful, wonderful blessing that you've given us today. Thank you for your church. Thank you for, for the, the, the people here that form your body, that we can fellowship with, that we can uh, continue to walk with and grow with, that we can serve alongside, that we can pray for, that we can be a part of, of their growth and their development, their joys as well as their concerns. We thank you for our community. We thank you for, for Bread Creek area. And God, may we be motivated to do the work you're calling us to do, even all the more so during this time. We love you. We thank you. Be with us as, as we go. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.